1: mom guilt, I don't recognize that. Like, what's that? I don't believe in that. You know, you were a woman before you were a wife, before you, you know, you might have been a daughter before you were a woman. But, you know, it's interesting that being mom becomes the title that so many women hold on to, and it shapes so much of their lives. And then in doing that, they lose themselves. And I think one of the things that I was interested in was, while she was obviously making these choices and having this affair, she was doing a right in view of her very, you know, and I think her twins is so interesting that one of them was so perspective and perceptive of what was happening. And you could tell, and this is also, you know, the boy that, you know, he in the family is the one also dealing with the same, you know, microaggression that she's had to endure herself. And I thought it was so interesting that she was such a great mom But yet she allowed herself to go into this situation that was really damaging for her children. You are listening to the The Dope Black Moms Podcast.
0: Today, I am joined by Ava Verde, author of Lives Like Mine and Tucumbo, who wears many hats being a valued vocal member of the Dope Black Moms WhatsApp group. Um, But today I wanted you here as a literary lover and founder of Lit Black Moms Book Club, who I'm a proud member of. So welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me here in my kitchen over Zoom. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to be joining this conversation.
0: Yay. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we could do this. So this book, Lives Like Mine. Wow. 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 Basically. Yes. Um, What were your initial thoughts, Tox, on the book?
1: Um, I have to say that initially I did find Monica a bit frustrating because I just could not recognize the woman that I am personally in her. So I kept thinking, why aren't you standing up for yourself and why are you allowing yourself to kind of be you know, treated like this, not only by, you know, the family, but also by the husband, because ultimately, you know, the family respond, treats you the way they do based on how your husband stands up for you or not. Well, that's my personal belief anyway. Um, and I think, you know, I could also kind of see where things were going to go <laughs> once you started on that school trip. It was like the minute they had that connection, I was like, oh, Lord. And I just kind of thought, and it was so interesting to see how the story would then un, you know unfold, so actually it was a book that I read in pretty much one go. um so you know I really enjoyed the writing and I enjoyed the familiarity of you know even though I don't live in Essex, the familiarity of some parts of Essex, and you know um the kind of like talking about people who live in Essex because black people were now moving into certain parts of Essex, so they were going further up. Not for South or whichever way you want to call it. So for me, you know, I really enjoyed the book in that respect. And it was very interesting, you know, being, you know, I'm not mixed myself. So it was interesting to read an experience of what it is to be, you know, a mixed race woman who had a, you know, really difficult relationship with a black mom. And I think that's, you know, that's not something I've ever encountered before in a book. So that definitely was fascinating for me. And it was really interesting to see how, you know, the history of their relationship came about, but also how they then came out, they reconciled in the present and my hopes for where that relationship will go in the future. So, yeah, definitely loved, you know, enjoyed that aspect. But I think Monica, definitely, I wanted to shake her. I felt like if she was a mm. friend of mine, she'd be like, <laughs> girl. Like, this is what we need to do. And this is what you should be doing.
0: I found it so interesting. I identified with so much in this book as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, as a black woman, as a mixed race woman. I think mainly what it means to be a woman in a modern family, that that was really clear to me. And I was saying a bit earlier, Mm. I'm severely dyslexic. So I love when anybody can give me the language to describe my life <laughs> and that's what you've done like to help me understand and process my yes. life what what has just gone on so that was a real real gift for me and I was just reading along um yeah. nodding but the moments I actually found difficult to read was because it was written so well it was really mm. difficult like Tox mentioning sometimes just as the characters I know them like you Thank know these you. people and you recognize parts of yourself so I felt I found that difficult because it hit it hit me um, and just how messy yeah. life is, how people are messy. I think it 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 brought it all out and um, loved the detail, loved the characterization, loved how rich everything was. And you know what I loved? Yeah. I just loved how um, wicked the humor was. It okay. was it was wicked. Just to have a good, like I found myself snorting. You know those laughs, like. It? Like I was snorting yeah, just a good, yeah. good oh, this belly so laugh. I think that's important, <laughs> yes. especially after the year we just had, especially after, you know, being women, all the different hats we hold. Yes, it's good yes. to have a good belly laugh. And I wanted to be friends with Monica. I, really, yes. I wanted to shake her at times, but I also wanted to cuddle her at times. And I also lovely wanted to be friends with her. So, so yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, I got a lot from it. So thank
2: you. Thank you so much for writing good oh you're so welcome It's lovely lovely to hear thank you yeah I did I loved writing her but yes she is deeply frustrating and I know I have more white hair and more lines from this person that at times you could really you know strangle she's she is deeply frustrating but I think that comes from as you say if you were her friend you could tell her but she's isolated herself and it's yeah. sort of, she's almost done it on purpose she is a very complex peculiar person and um yeah, I don't think anything's straightforward. I don't think it ever was. So, yeah.
0: No, and I don't think it is in life. And I think that was beautifully done. Like, life is messy. It's never black and white. Um, I just think it was just, it's just so interesting to to see how, you, how you've done that. Um, so much I want to speak about, but can we start with your journey into publishing and what that was like for you? As I can imagine, um, there might have been a few barriers as a
2: black woman. So... <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Yes. Many, many, many things. Um, Well, I've written my whole life, always been a writer, but I've always done it on the quiet. It's been a bit of a guilty pleasure, really, because I never saw any value in it. I couldn't picture myself growing up to be a published author or anything like that. Those sort of dreams were put to bed sort of at school and being made to read books that I didn't really identify with and just you know and being a teenager really just just completely lost interest in in books and and whatnot and it wasn't really until um my daughters started school I've got twins and um an older daughter I had them within 18 months of each other it was very full-on crazy (laughs) baby bubble um which lovely but when they went to school I did feel very sort of lost without them I sort of didn't really realize it, well you know know who I was anymore beyond sort of the roles of mum and homemaker and all these all these quite mundane things who was who was Eva but um they went to school and I thought well here's my chance really I could go back and learn and so I started an open university degree and really didn't look back that was it I did a creative writing module and it just lit the spark and I had great tutors who really sort of encouraged me and um, encouraged me to start submitting and you know when one of them said um have you thought about an agent trying to find an agent I was like what the hell oh my god yes it really um an, an agent and then suddenly I thought maybe I have something here because Lies Like Mine started yeah. as a short story for an assignment okay. but Monica's voice just wouldn't go and I'd stop. you know I'd be out and I think oh, what would she do here and you know what would happen mm-hmm. here and so you're my imagination just went crazy and I couldn't leave it alone. And then it just became a fixation, really. So I, off I, I went, that. tons of no's, tons of that. rejections. And but there I was, I, I knew that this was publishing and writing wasn't was the area I wanted to be in.
0: Can you tell me practically? So, um, education awesome, but you're going, this is like your second mm-hmm. job, like second phase in life. Mm-hmm. So, practically, what's the hustle with the kids? You're a mum of three, yes, yes. Yeah, you're still working. How are, you, how are you actually
2: doing that? I think you just learn to muddle and learn that not everything will be perfect and sometimes things will need more of your focus than others. But, you know, writing, as hard as, hard as it is and, you know, you get your rejections and it is a lot of heartache, really. My real life was the kids, so at least I was doing the writing, but I was here as well so you know if they needed me I could put it down and and and, you know adjust my focus but I think that's it just just dispel that thought of trying to get everything right all of the time you know because it's impossible but we're
0: told that we can be, we're told that we can have it all. We're told that you can do it all. And we're told that this is what it looks like. You can yes. work, you can have the kids, you can have an awesome job. You can be super sexy. You can wear matching lingerie. You can do all these things, you know, and it often doesn't not look at the like same
1: that.
0: Time. <laughs> not at the same time. No, not at the same time. And when you said you found a passion writing Monica, yeah. what did that moment feel like that? Yes. Because yes. I need this in my life. Just, just that moment of recognizing this is something. You know, being so connected to yourself. You're like, I'm going to follow this rather than get caught up in all the other hats you're wearing, all the other pools in your life. But you could drill in and
2: listen to that. What what did it feel like? A very freeing thing, because the writing means that I shut off from everything else. All those niggles and all those worries and all those moments Mm -hmm. where you're doubting yourself and the imposter syndrome comes. When you find that moment where you were just writing and it's just you and your words. You've gone. You're you're somewhere else, and it is such a treasure treasure of a thing to, to be able to have in your in your kit. You know, you've gone through adult education. You've got you've sorted
0: out the childcare. You've you've returned to studying, um, and you're writing this amazing book. The microaggressions, the racist family members. How Monica handles this. Um, are you drawing on real life experiences
2: that you have faced? The first sort of draft of this book I just sort of was plucking these random situations out of my head and I just thought why am I inventing them when really I can call on my own experiences and you know growing up as a brown woman in a predominantly white environment so I just turned inwards and -hmm. it was hard because I would often try and sort of skim those moments with a bit of humour rather than Mm -hmm. feel the feelings but I I had to go I had to go there and yes they are based on based you know I fictionalized them but yes they are all moments of truth to either me or or my friends and family so yeah hard to do but
1: yeah I can imagine that must have been really difficult (laughs) to do yeah so apart from from, I
2: must say not the last dramatic not the last dramatic scene with the attack that's
1: yeah, yeah no
2: but the little the little moments yeah throughout yes
1: I think that's the thing about microaggressions. And I think, you know, whether you're black, brown, whether you grew up in an all white environment or you grew up in, you know, a cosmopolitan city like London, I think there are moments that we can all go back through in our lives where we're like, wait, that was a microaggression. I might not have had the language for it then, or it might've been something that I brushed off simply because I either didn't care or I was just too wrapped up in other things but when you start to pull i feel like if we were all to start writing out every little microaggression that we've ever had from childhood i think we would all have books and pages and pages of books to fill because it's something that it's so absolutely happens so regularly and happens so insidiously sometimes that until we had this language for it until it was we had this terminology microaggressions we didn't even know that's what it was we just knew something wasn't right we just knew that, yes. wait, why Why is my teacher speaking to me like this? And they're not speaking to another, um, one of my colleagues like this, or why did I just have this experience on the bus or why? Is... So I think, you know, it's really very brave of you to kind of like take those experiences. And I think also kind of like writing about those experiences, whether you, you know, you minimise the hurt with you ma that's a way of, you know, really confronting, you know, something that was traumatic. Because like I said, mm. for me, reading this... Not being able to have those experiences because I I don't have you know white family members who I would have had those kind of experiences from and I think for me knowing the kind of person that I am I know that I am somebody who likes to confront things head on so if ever I was in that kind of situation so I can very Mm. much imagine how and also like you know once I started to see a little bit more of Monica's life stories I could get a better understanding And and I could kind of like be more sympathetic. To who mm. she became, because it felt like she gave up everything to be his wife and to be the mom to the three children. And in so doing, that meant, well, if I have to now deal with the nonsense from your family, then that's a, you know, it was like, it was almost like she was punishing herself as well. It
2: was, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. Repeating past patterns and behaviors. And yeah, absolutely, yes, yeah.
0: Those things are intrinsically right. embedded into your wiring, isn't it? It is hard to unlearn some of those things. I think what you were saying about the microaggressions and just yeah. how you can receive them daily and almost they can be so flippant or trivialised and it's normalised. I think if we were to write those down or if we, if we were to walk along and experience them with our children, us all being mothers, you could instantly call it out. And I think we'd all, we'd all step up and say something, yes. right? For mm. yourself, I personally talks. You might yes. be different because you confront things head on. But for me personally, I found that really difficult. Like so easy to to notice it for your children, but for yourself to call it out in work. I mean, better now as an older woman, but in mm. it, you know, when you're younger,
2: so so difficult to do. Yes, better now as an older woman. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so many times things have happened. And I'm so surprised that they have, you know, comments that you have. And I don't act instantly, but you walk away and you think, why did I not challenge that? I know what that was. Why did I not speak up? But the moment's passed and you're totally. just left with all this fury and frustration and, yeah, and it's very difficult also when you are sort of the soul brown face yeah. for other people to and sort I'm- of cotton on what's going on. It's so tricky mm-hmm. um, and things – and. It is you've so you can so be caught in that. Am I being paranoid? Am I not? Did that happen? And it is just, yeah, totally. And it keeps on going, and yeah, yeah, and you're just trapped in this web of it. it. It's
0: yeah, when um, Mm. when you the second you've the moment's gone, do tons of statements, cusses, this, that come on your head. I could have said this, I could have said this next time. Yes,
2: yeah. That witty one moment. Yeah, the most was, perfect comebacks, really you're yeah. just like, oh, for God's sake, you know. I feel like we, <laughs> we were
1: literally just having this conversation in the book club last night with some of the moms having that same experience <laughs> where you're like, oh, man, I had such a perfect comeback, but that mm. moment's gone now. Yeah, and
2: you just would like to tell, now, hang on a minute, now come back here and, you know, let me, yeah. <laughs> let me set it straight. I wanted yeah. to also
0: talk about what,
2: Joe what
0: Joe meant for Monica and and what he was ultimately well, what that relationship was able to do and ultimately help her connect to the core of herself can we do this on our own do we have to have an affair at the school game
2: no I think we can absolutely do it on our own I think she just needed I think she just had to press explode on everything yeah and I think that's what it was more than more than anything else. I think Joe could have been in any kind of form. It was just the whole you know you go through there's never really there's far more love on his side than than hers. I always think it's she's far more sort the of the, the man of the pairing really you know she's the more the male energy of it, yes, he's sort of picturing futures and, and loveliness, but she's always a bit more sensible and a little bit more cautious than that. Like I think Joe could have been anybody. He was just the right, delicious shape at the right time, really.
0: <laughs> and what did you think about Joe Tox? What did you think about that relationship?
1: I did find that, I did find it interesting that he was very, very needy of her time and her, and I, and I thought it was ironic given the role and the job that he does himself, that he was then Mm -hmm. this person, but I also did like him and I liked the fact that he was quite honest about his shortcomings and very honest about, you know, some of the things that he has done in the past and was being, and I think, you know, I'm a social worker, so I could tell that he's a very reflective person. So I could see that even as he was making the same mistakes over and over again, he was able to reflect and know that I'm not doing life the way I'm supposed to. And I say supposed to be doing life because there is no right or wrong way to do life. Um, I do agree with you that he felt that the only way Monica would, ever get to some kind of reckoning with the situation that she's experienced as a child with her parents and, you know, the character that I don't want to go into any spoilers and then this marriage, I felt that she had to pretty much burn all the bridges before she can then start actually now shaping what her life should be. Because I felt like she's never really been intentional in shaping the life that she ended up in. And that's why he felt that she was able to wake up 11 years into or 13 years into this marriage and be like, wait, this is not enough. This is not acceptable. Like, it's bad enough that I'm dealing with your racist family, especially like your mom. But then for you as my husband to be, you know, either blindly or not blindly, and am not seeing this. It's not enough anymore. And I think that's, you know, what... That's why he things happened the way that he did, so yeah, it was very very i mean i I think I liked Joe more than I liked Monica initially, and then as things went on, it was kind of like, oh, do you know what you both just need you I feel like yeah you, you 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 both need to go therapy separately, like basically I believe everyone is like i mean Nina knows this, I say this all the time, everyone needs to go therapy, especially if you're somebody that has issues and you're not. And you're you know drinking away your issues or you're having an affair rather than dealing with that issue you know just go find a therapist to help you mm. deal with that and i think you know given the trauma that you know monica experienced as a daughter and i think that's what really kind of shifted things for me because seeing how damaged her relationship was with her mom um like i said i i as a mom i feel like i have such a great relationship with my teenage daughter As a daughter, I feel like I have an amazing relationship with my mom. In fact, I just spent yesterday with both of them. And, you know, that's one of the things that gives me so much joy. So it's always painful for me when I see characters or I speak to women who never had that opportunity to have a great relationship with their moms. Because I think that shapes so much of who we become. Um, I'm always telling people that I am the woman that I am because of the mother that raised me. And I am the mother that I am. Because of the way I was raised. So it's so I think for me, my my initial kind of like antagonist of Monica started to change when I started to understand who she was and why she had become the do woman you that she was. feel it was
0: like an element mm. of she just couldn't give herself the permission. She needed someone else to give her permission to connect to herself, to be herself. She just couldn't find.
2: Path to do it. No, I think um the mum that she's had, and and then the relationships she had since. Mm -hmm. I think she has had no autonomy. Really, she's always been very easily led and happy to let someone take the reins in relationships, and and it's got her stuck. It got her stuck. And Mm -hmm. and what do you do? No, no. So it's very in character for her to then have to rely on somebody else almost to make this change Mm -hmm. to make her, you know. Make that next step
0: to to both of you. How do we get ourselves unstuck in these issues? With everything else, we've. I mean, you still have to function, right? You have to go to work. You've still got your kids. You've still got life. So, where's the space? Where's the time to give yourself permission to? how, How do How do you begin doing that?
2: I think just perhaps acknowledging it, just confronting yourself. You know, without without these props that we can rely on. You know, going out on the weekend and blotting it all away and you know, whatever. I know we haven't had that luxury lately (laughs) and, and whatnot, but losing yourself in other, other things, you know, I think really to just, yeah, just look at yourself and realize what needs work and perhaps, yeah, perhaps therapy, perhaps therapy is, as you say, everybody should have it. Yeah.
0: You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton
2: at OnePeloton.com.
1: I think I completely agree. I think acknowledging, um, first of all, actually questioning, Mm -hmm. am I happy? Am I happy in this situation? Am I happy in this role? Whether it's as a mom, as a daughter, as a wife, as a woman, like really, really get into like asking yourself the hard questions. Um, I always say I basically in Yala fixed my own life before I could afford therapy. Books are such, and this is one of the things why I love reading books, because I feel like read books, whether they're fiction or non fictions or self-help books, there are a way for you to see all the alternatives of how things could be. So I think taking the steps to really figure out what do I want for myself? You know, yes, I'm a mom, but, and I think it's interesting that, you know, I'm re- cause I have the book on my desk right now. I'm looking at the, you know, the um, back and it's got mother, daughter, wife, woman. And for me, I would actually flip it because before she was all of these things, she's a woman first and foremost, And I think it's interesting that a lot of women and this is a conversation that, you know, Nina knows that I have in the group where I'm always telling people mom guilt. I don't recognize that. Like, what's that? I don't believe in that. You know, you were a woman before you were a wife, before you, you know, you might have been a daughter before you were a woman. But, you know, it's interesting that being mom becomes the title that so many women hold on to and it shapes so much of their lives. And then in doing that, they lose themselves. And I think one Absolutely. of the things that I was interested in was while she was obviously making these choices and having this affair, she was doing a right in view of her very, you know, and I think her twins is so interesting that one of them was so perspective and perceptive of what was happening. Mm. And you could tell, and this is also, you know, the boy that, you know, he in the family is the one also dealing with the same, you know, microaggression that she's had to endure Herself, and I thought it was so interesting that she was such a great mom, but yet she allowed herself to go into yet, this situation mm. that was really damaging for her children. and I just wanted to know, mm-hmm. like, how did they feel for you as a mom writing? And you know, I don't know if you're married writing that kind of story and writing to this character, thinking, you know, if this was my kids, would I behave like this? Because I think that was another thing I struggled because I was like. Yes. You're making the choices that just doesn't align with who you are as a mom.
2: No, no, I completely agree. Um, it's, a tr- it's a tricky one to ask. It was re- it was very, very difficult to write because you are constantly compared. Because although it's fiction, you are thinking, putting yourself in those shoes and, and what you and I am. I'm happily married and there is a bit of a moral in itself, is that I tried to use, you know, my husband would say a line and I'd be like, oh, that's handy. And I'd sort of, I could split bits of his character between the male roles Mm -hmm. to try and ease my own bizarre guilt of this writing these two men. And it's very, it was very, very hard, you know. And it is, you you just want to keep saying, it is only fiction, you know, Mm because I am very happily married. And I'm lucky to have a man that has always... um, he supported everything, you know, from the moment I remember we were we had a, a work trip very early on in our relationship and um, I was really excited. It was his his business trip and um, they were really racist to me on this lovely party that we went to. And um, immediately my husband, he just well, he wasn't the husband then, but he stamped it out it was dealt with and he left and he quit his job and Mm, you know he he becomes he becomes self-employed you know there's all 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 manner of things but from that moment if he hadn't have challenged that we probably wouldn't have been together because you know like you frustrated with Monica I wouldn't put up with a man in my life like that so it was very challenging to write not just the affair aspect but the husband that just never just fails to see Mm. the problem it's and yeah. On that way, yeah, it's tricky. Very, very complex. It's
1: really, really well. <laughs> you did it really well. You did it very, very well. Oh, like, I'm so glad. And I think also I have this, because like I said, when I first read the book, I was just like, oh, my God, really? And I think just speaking to you and learning your story, it's definitely helped me to like, and when you've been talking about that trip, I'm like, oh, okay, I remember that in the book. But when- There's a little bit of that in the book. So knowing that you had a better <laughs> yes. experience of that kind of situation, just makes me feel so much better in knowing that, you know, and I know there are women out there who are like Monica and I do empathize, like I said, you know, and I think, you know, I am always conscious that I am a strong woman and I've been a strong woman from a very, very young age. So I always have to remind myself to be patient with women like Monica who are on their own journey. And I think for me, it's, you know, it's really just kind of like, and I think I'm definitely going to read this book again because I, I read it very quickly because I wanted to have this conversation and I knew things were going to be, be busy for me. But I think I'm going to take time mm-hmm. to read it again. So well done. I think you did a really great job um, being Thank able you. to like, write you. a book, of, a work of fiction that's been um, not influenced, but you've taken part of your life and written it into a work of fiction that's still very much fiction for you. And I think that's the important with, thing with isn't that it? trip. Yes,
0: yeah. With your husband's trip that you were both on, um, and that's a big issue. That's a big. Yes. That's a big experience to go through, um, as a couple and early on in the relationship.
1: Yes,
0: um, I know you spoke earlier about how how did you make it not an issue? How did you how did you make it? How did you live with it not being an issue in your in your lives? Like I just think it's important. So we're all gonna. F- we're all going to face some sort of racism, some sort of micro racism in our lives, um, and it's those relationships yes, that we yes. lean on to support us in mm. those times. I just thought, as you we were speaking off air, you yes. mentioned that you made it not come between you. I just wanted to understand how you did that, like as a as a
2: relationship. If that makes sense. We've always just been a team. He's just always been so thoroughly on my side that it never it could never become a problem. You know, it's, um, I'm married to a, a, you know, a white man who could very easily be very blind to the moments that have happened, but, um, he never brushes it off. I'm always validated and, um, and we've always just talked about it. It's always been really, really open. I think that's also the key. It's just that if it all builds up and it's all inside and you're so full of resentment, it can make bigger issues within your relationship. So, but yeah, I, I'm yeah I'm very blessed to have him. He is completely on my side, fabulous ally, and great dad. Really, you know, our children. I've got um, you know two of my children are white passing, and I've got a girl who looks just like me. So you know all this all these life lessons and all these experiences and all these things where I perhaps should have spoken up, I am so aware of them now and writing did really help. Writing was a form of therapy to sort of acknowledge these behaviours of mine and uh, she is, or all of them, they're absolutely proud of who they are and where they come from and it's just, I've done that. It wasn't so easy for me but I have made it a hell of a lot easier for them and it's It's just communication and teamwork and family. It, totally. And and with your daughters,
0: mm-hmm. your twin daughters saying they have different tones, my two children have different tones, and I've experienced different experiences yes. with both of them people thinking, um, are they my children? Am I the nanny? Am I their child care? Like, am I the support? How can I have a child this dark? Um, you know, mm-hmm. that comes up. What have you learned from your daughter about embracing our identity? Because Again, as a near 40-year-old woman, these are some things I'm just getting to grips with now. But um, you spoke so eloquently about your daughter and your children in general embracing their identity. What have you learned from them about embracing identity?
2: I think what I've learned more than anything is if you're comfortable in your own skin and you've got a good picture of, you know, how you fit in your family and, you know, where you belong you you you're just fine that's half the battle's won if you know you've got your support network if you're confident and happy and you know nothing's ever been an issue within your family unit you yeah you you'll be fine and i know i mean she'd just little little things she'd do like um when they do a self portrait at school and she'd use brown crayons and th- i'd feel such overwhelming pride because you know it's just me growing up, uh, you know, not not so much the little child. It was really um, coming away from London when I was 11 and we moved to Chelmsford and it was, I, I say this a lot, but it really was like stepping out of a spaceship. I was a complete oddity and it just became everything I could do to make myself more palatable. I would, I would. and it's things like, um, you know, like I wear my hair naturally now. And I would never have thought, I would never have done that. I couldn't Blended. wait to have it straightened. Anything to sort of, oh, blend Blended. in. Yeah. Yes, to just, and it is, and it is that teenage, you know, that age where you yeah. do just want to be the same as everybody yeah. else. And it just, it clung for far too long into adulthood. It was just, you know, my my white family as well. I didn't have um, sort of black parents who, who understood. So that was very difficult. I don't have any um, connections to my ethnicity so I really was on my own and it's just it has just been a life lesson really
0: it is though isn't it it is, yeah, complete, it, is. it is a complete life journey and and Tox, I know we've spoken before but what what are you doing for your daughter to help secure her identity her belief in herself um or what are you learning from her of, of how she's on this journey
1: I think it's been interesting. So my daughter is now a teenager. She's 14. And you know, it's so we've been on this teen journey for about two and a half years now. And what I'm finding really recently is she's developed her own style. So you know, she very much likes bootleg jeans, like she actually likes the 90s look which I am just like, I don't understand because I ran, we, I felt like we ran away from the 90s look because we recognized that that 90s look wasn't working. And so it's so interesting to see her, you know, go into charity shops. And, and ironically, you know, I remember, you know, coming from an immigrant family where, you know, my mom didn't have much. And, you know, so for me, my mom having to shop for me in a charity shop was yeah. like a shameful thing that I then had to kind of like get over very quickly. And now my daughter wants That's me to better. give her money to go to charity shop than to go to a main shop. And it's like, wow, it's it's brilliant because it's like, you know, well done to you. And I think, you know, one thing that I've been I've tried to do with her is to just give her an example of what I what it means to be a strong black woman and also show her role models, not just myself, but the kind of friends that I have, the family that I have. So, you know, even now, you know, times when I'm having difficult experiences. So me and my sister, we have a very volatile relationship at times. And, you know, I'm very honest with my daughter that, you know, right now we're not in a great place. Doesn't mean that she's not my sister. Doesn't mean that you're not you know, we don't still love each other, it just means that right now we're not in that space where we can be Sicily. And I think just being, you know, I'm, I I mean, Nina knows, I'm a very liberal, radical parent. My style of parenting is, I will tell you the truth. Um, And like you said, Eva, I will communicate with you about any and everything. So, you know, whether I'm having, you know, whether it's sex, whether it's money, whatever it is, I will be brutally honest with you and give you those examples of, you know, if things go wrong, this is this are some of the things that, this is some of the ways that you can try and get things back on, on into shape. So I think for me, it's really about role modeling. like i said i feel that i was blessed in the fact that i didn't have an unhappy childhood with my parenting you know i lost my dad from a very young age and my mom has been a rock she's been incredible she's been an amazing role model for me of what it means to be a mom and what it means to be a daughter and for me being a black british nigerian woman i've kind of feel like i've taken the best of both worlds. And then my, you know, professional background, you know, of being a social worker and then having a psychology degree means that I'm able to like, okay, do you know what? That's the African way and that doesn't work. So we ain't going to do that. Or actually that's the African way and that works over the British way. So that's the way we're going to go. Or sometimes, even yesterday, I was um, last week I was having a conversation with um, somebody in my family and I said, in this regards, I'm not Nigerian, I'm British. So we're going to do it that British way. So it's been really being able to bring different aspects of my own upbringing and the different combinations of you know who I am into my parenting and also giving her the space to really come into herself and I think you know once I allowed her the opportunity you know so you know oh you like those kind of shoes okay fine I will buy that for you even though that's not what I would have picked up for you myself but you are, you know. I remember when I was fourteen, my mom couldn't shop for me. So, you know, I it's I actually feel privileged that we have that kind of relationship where she can tell me things and she can ask me to help us, um, kind of like shape who she's becoming. But it's definitely tricky, and I kind of sometimes I wish I could go back to the days where she just wanted to wear dresses and it was so simple because I could just go to H H&M and M and buy her all the pre yeah. dresses yeah. in H and M. But now it's like no, um, you know, she wants what she wants mm-hmm. and. She knows herself well. She's starting to get to know herself, and I feel like, and I feel, I also feel it's a privilege mm-hmm. for me. In terms of you asking about what am I learning from her, you know, I've always felt that motherhood really helped me to develop patience. I was never a patient person before, and I think you know one of the things that I take away from motherhood is who child I had to like really real, real, things in, and I think um, seeing her you know, becoming this incredibly, you know, she's very sensitive as well, which I'm not. So it's again, I've always had that kind of like battle of where did you get this from? Because you didn't get it from me or your father. So she's taught me that you can have, you can be a strong person in yourself. But if you have a child who is a little bit more needier than you, then you have to just learn to deal with that particular experience. So she's definitely taught me a lot and it's been a a pleasure, you know, mothering her and helping her shape, you know, hopefully the kind of mother and woman that she will become. And, you know, like I said, for me, it's like her being the kind of woman who will be able to stand up for herself and not have to, you know, make bad decisions just to get her life in shape.
0: I think what's so gorgeous about that is you saying you're giving her space, I think that so many times, you know, the typical clash of mum and tween or mum and teen, especially daughter. How there's always that angst there, and if the daughter's trying to live up mm. to the mum's standards, you know, you just being able to give her space to find out actually maybe I do love the '90s look. This is what I'm going to go with. Like to have this space, and you're. I think that is radical what mm. you're doing, Tox, because yes, to go and give her the money you know, and and allow her to do this and give her the space to really form her ideas from now is how we empower her, is how make sure she's connected to her gut. She doesn't end up in some situations we've all ended up in, you know, because she knows who she is so intrinsically, it Mm -hmm. it would take, well, nothing. She's going to be unflappable, isn't she? Which is what what we want, which we somehow I missed out on that journey for myself. So it's amazing to watch this back.
2: Yes. I think yeah. 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 yeah, definitely. With my I mean, I've got um fourteen year old daughter as well. My eldest is fourteen and the twins are thirteen. And um anytime they oh, wow. are they're most
1: <laughs> Yeah, wow. I know it's crazy. Yeah.
2: Mad hormones, <laughs> <sorry>. it's it's <laughs> mad house, but it's a joyous house. And I do you know, with three with three girls, and they're all such you know on top of each other with their ages they do fight to be individual and to stand out and I am so fully embracing of that all the time because you know the kid that I was that was so quick to conform and to change myself to suit everybody else in the room I reject that wholeheartedly now I you know so when whenever there is something you know they want the the strange shoes or you know they want to do something crazy with their hair um go for it just absolutely exactly. run with it right. and yes right.
0: yeah do it do it because there's so many stories of of little ava with the straight hair like so many of us know that i was just trying to do this i wanted to do this yeah. i wanted them to like me i wanted to fit in i wanted them to be to, i understand it intrinsically it. i get yeah. it I get it. And it, and it, and it's heartbreaking, yeah. isn't it?
1: Yeah. And then, yeah. And I think also one thing that I feel, especially as a mom, cause like I said, I read a lot of books and I remember reading Maya Angelou's book, me, my, me, mom, and I, and also I haven't read Maya Angelou's autobiography, which, you know, that those are my to go book. I feel like reading Maya Angelou in my early twenties really, really also helped to shape the woman that I became. And one thing that was always interesting for me, and she talks about it, was she didn't particularly have a great relationship with her mom when she was young. But then when she became older and she was a mom herself, her and her mom became became friends. And they actually, you know, she actually talked about her mom saying to her, Maya, I respect you. I respect the woman that you are. And so for me, um, I'd always kind of known that I... I'd always known that I would enjoy motherhood even more when my daughter got older. Like I'd always known the kind of woman that I am as much as I love my life. And I love my being a mom, you know, the early days, you know, I, there were times when it was like, Oh, really you, I have to spend time with you today. Like I have to like take you out and be nice to you. Like, you know, like I don't want to, And I think, you know, for women to be able to recognize that, that actually it's not all aspects of motherhood that you're going to enjoy. You're not going to enjoy being a mom 24-7. You're not going to enjoy being a mom, you know, when your three-year-old is running around in the shops and not listening to you. Or maybe your 13-year-old wants to rebel. And I think, you know, a lot of times people forget they were teenagers themselves. (laughs) I remember the teenager that I was. I remember very vividly the kind of teenager that I was. And so for me, it's important for me to allow my daughter to have the space to become, a you know, become a better version of that teenager that I was. And I think, you know, as much as my mom was great, I know that, you know, her being an immigrant and having certain expectations of what she expected of me meant that she parented me differently the way I'm parenting my teenager now but the interesting thing now is you know as a grandmother oh, hope see that I feel like we need to have a book
2: yeah about
1: <laughs> yeah. that <laughs> aspect do. of life when mothers <laughs> who we were strict suddenly become yeah. the most docile grandmothers oh leave her let yeah. her that what's that wrong. about what do yeah <laughs> <What>?
2: <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah my mom is exactly the same yep
1: yeah <laughs> And I have to remind yeah, my softest, mom, like you would softest, not softest you, wouldn't, you would not have given me that space the way you're telling me to allow my daughter. Like really? you did it, like what? There was none of that. We couldn't even have like and I ever tell my daughter as well. I always say to her, you know, some of the conversations that you're having with me, I didn't get to mm-hmm. have with my mom when I was this age. You know, I didn't get to talk about boys and you know, sexuality and all the things that I'm able to talk to you about. But I truly believe, like Maya said, when you know better, 100%. you do better. I think it's
0: so important. To actually do that to really do it I mean when you know you can't not know so use that I I I couldn't agree more and um yeah I think it's really important thank you so much for this talk I could go on and on and on I think we could all go on and on but I'm aware that um there's other things we might need to do so thank you so much (laughs) just lastly what what's next for you what have you got coming up
2: next (laughs) I've got to (laughs) write book two now (laughs) just you know so that that's that will be the focus um and I start a master's degree in September so it's all amazing it's back to the creative and back to I'm I'm looking forward to that as well you know as I said to you at the start I'm not the most confident speaker so to be lost in my words and the pages again will be a real treat so um, i'm looking forward to retreating back to the uh the books and the the quiet
1: Don't black moms.
2: ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row
1: dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer